I had it in my heart. Y'all ready for the word this morning for a little bit? And then we're going to receive communion at the end of this service. And um, has had it in my heart. Just seemed good to me in the Holy Ghost to talk about how to defeat the spirit of offense. How to defeat the spirit of offense that tries to come into our lives. And this is vital. This is vital in the last days. You know, Jesus said concerning the last days in Matthew 24, uh, verse 10, he said, many, uh, many will be offended. He's talking about the last days. Many are going to be offended. They're going to betray one another and they'll even hate one another. See, offense opens a door for, for even worse things. Uh, it's, it's something that opens a door to, to even hatred. And, uh, and that, that, you know, you realize a Christian can actually hate. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's in their spirit, but it means they've yielded to the flesh. And they've allowed wrong thinking and wrong emotions to begin to dominate them. Uh, and so you're gonna, you and I are gonna have opportunities. The world is full of offense right now. We can see scripture coming, coming true before our very eyes in our own country, in the world. Uh, Offense is rampant, and uh, and so, and we're going to look at several different kinds of offense here this morning in a few moments. But I want you to realize every person here is going to have the opportunity to get offended, probably beginning this afternoon. <laughs> you won't not in church, hopefully, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. You never know. But uh, uh, or about something we can get offended about. But everybody's going to have an opportunity. If you haven't already, which we all have, we all understand this, I believe, we're going to have opportunities in the future. Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, it's impossible that you don't have opportunities for offense to come into your life. He says it's impossible that offenses are not, basically, offenses are going to come, just, just recognize it. Opportunities to get offended are coming your way. So we're going to look at First, we're going to look, kind of look at it from three directions here, offense. First, you realize you can get offended at the truth, which means you can get offended at God. People get offended at God all the time. We're going to, we're going to look at that for a few moments. Then we're going to talk about offense with, with how we can get offended with others and, and maybe wrongdoings or even perceived wrongdoings uh, and how people may mistreat us and how we can get offended at that, how we have to guard against that and defeat that. But also we're going to talk about how not to how not to give offense how to how to be better at walking in the love of god we're going to look at that for a few moments as well this morning uh, and maybe into the afternoon till about two you're okay with that aren't you praise the lord it may take me a little while but that's all right we'll get there don't get offended though don't get offended about that but uh praise the lord see love the love of god and the, that love, you realize, has been imparted into your heart if you're a born-again believer. The very love of God has been imparted to your spirit, the Bible says in Romans 5.5. 5. So we're, the love of God does not get offended at the truth. The love of God does not get offended at, even at people who bring the truth to you. Okay? That's why we have to learn to develop in this love of God and major in the love of God in our lives. Uh, because we, we don't want to be, uh, diverted or, or withdrawn from truth. Cause how many, how many of you realize it's truth that sets you free? Truth sets you free. Truth brings blessing. 
Truth changes our lives. So we don't want to do anything that will negatively impact truth coming into our lives and into our hearts. So we need to learn to realize love doesn't get offended at the truth. You know, uh, let's look at a couple of Old Testament. I'm going to run through some verses pretty quick here. Y'all keep up with me back there. And uh, if you have to just write it down, I'm going to keep on moving here. Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. Uh, the, the Psalms, and especially Proverbs, are full of, uh, of verses that talk about how we need to take heed uh, to instruction and to the truth uh, of God's Word and not, and not give in to... Uh, and not give in to offense and not give in to uh, wrong thinking here. It says, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Then he says, don't be like the horse or the mule. I mean, we're not supposed to be like mules, <laughs> which lack understanding. And they have to have their mouths held firm and with a bit and a bridle or they're not going to come with you. Those mules want to go their own way. Mules will kick against what is best for them. So that's what's being like a horse or a mule. Don't, don't kick against what is the best thing for you. And God said, I have instruction for you. I'll instruct you in the way you should go. Proverbs 10, of course, we said Proverbs has numerous scriptures. These are just, I'm just going to give you two. Proverbs 10, 1, uh, in the Amplified here. Proverbs 10, 1, uh, tells us that uh, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish and self-confident son is the grief of his mother. Foolish, self-confident. In other words, so, and so Proverbs is full of uh, telling you don't don't be confident in yourself, and and to take heed to instruction. Proverbs fifteen. Notice this in in verses uh, thirty one and thirty two. Uh, Proverbs fifteen thirty one thirty two tells us not to reject the ear that listens to the reproof that leads to or gives life will remain among the wise. I mean, we need to be listening. We need to be open to what is, what is the truth from God's word when we hear it. He goes on to say in the next verse there, he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. You end up hurting yourself if you're not willing to receive instruction, correction, the truth into your life. The one who heeds gets understanding. Knows he's going to move further in the things of God and enjoy the blessings of God. Hallelujah. You know, so the truth is so important in our lives and heeding the truth. You know, um, as a pastor uh, and a teacher of the word of God, I, I'll never apologize for the truth. <laughs> I've had people get offended with me, not because it was me, but because of what I said in line with the word of God. And I feel like I'm in good company with Jesus as long as I keep it in line with the word of God. Because they got offended at him. They got offended at Moses. They got offended at Paul. They got offended at Jesus. And Jesus never missed it. I've missed it a lot. But uh, people still get offended when you give them the word at times. And and so we all need to guard our own hearts because I, I understand that. I've been there where I've just been receiving and maybe something I didn't necessarily, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Well, uh, if you don't know about it, just put it on the shelf, but don't get offended by it. Amen. Learn to have a, 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 an open heart, a receptive heart, if it's the word of God, even if you don't fully understand it. You know, Jesus, as I said, faced that. Remember Jesus and his own disciples. 
In John 6, he, he, one day he preached this sermon. We're not going to turn to it here. I, I'm just going to explain this one to you. It's a lot of a long passage. We're going to look at some other things here. But Jesus, he gave them a sermon called, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. Y'all remember that sermon? <laughs> Read it later in John 6. Because, uh, but he had a group of people following him at that time. And, and when they heard that, they didn't fully understand it. So some of them said, we're not following him anymore. They got offended. They got offended. The Bible says they got offended. And they turned away. They walked away. See, one thing offense does, it separates you. And that's why the devil loves offense. He wants you separated. He wants you separated from the right influences in your life. And so uh, they, got, they got offended and they left. And then Jesus turned to his 12 disciples and they said, you going to go with them? He didn't apologize for what he shared. <laughs> he didn't say, now, wait a minute, guys. I didn't, re- uh, you didn't understand fully. Now, see, they were following him for the wrong reasons anyway. They weren't following in faith. Because faith will follow God even when you don't understand everything. It stays with God. It stays with what you know about God. And the disciples, they said, where are we going to go? <laughs> we can't, we don't know who else, there's nobody else to follow, but and we, you, you're the one spoken true so far in our life. We may not understand this, but we ain't going anywhere. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've preached on different subjects. I preached on tithing one time years ago and had somebody come up and say, we're gone. I didn't like what you said. I just, all I, all I did was quote the Bible. And they got mad. And I've had that. I mean, I've had different things like that happen. They didn't like that. So they're gone. And if God puts you somewhere, how many know it's not, it's not best to run. It's best to maybe just put something on the shelf. <laughs> and, uh, and let God and let the Holy Spirit deal with you about that. Praise the Lord. And, and so, um, this happened, you know, it happened with, like I said, it happened with Moses, happened with Paul, uh, had, had people that got offended at, uh, at things they said. Remember John, the, even John the Baptist, listen, you can say, uh, you can be a wonderful, you can be a wonderful believer. Somebody's following the Lord, but how many of their times you may get confused? John the Baptist, he was, uh, you know, Jesus said there's no greater prophet in the Old Testament than him. You know, he's, he's the, he's the top dog. Uh, but John the Baptist, and he's, and John the Baptist declared Jesus as, as the, the, the one, the Messiah. But yet, there came a point after John got put in jail. He sent some disciples to, to Jesus and said, are you really the one? You mean there's a question now? After you, after you saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove? When you baptized him and, and you've been, you're the one sent to be the forerunner? Now you're kind of doubting a little bit? How many know even good godly people, doubts can come into their mind? Pressure. Pressure can cause people to get a little bit, you know, just, just a little dis- discombobulated. We've all been there, right? A little bit where you're just like, Lord, are you really, are you really in this? Are you really, is this really, what your word says or, and so Jesus, what did he do? He told him in, uh, uh, go ahead, Matthew, uh, Matthew 11 there. 
Let's go ahead and just read that, read that real quick. John heard in prison about the works of Christ, sent two of his disciples, and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Verse 4. Jesus answered said to them, Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers cleanse, deaf hear, dead are raised, poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who's not, what? Offended because of me. Blessed is he who's not offended. Amen. Notice you may not understand everything right now. You may be a little disoriented right now. But don't get separated from me. Because one thing, one meaning of the word offense is to begin to distrust the one that you should trust. Distrusting when you should trust. Departing when you shouldn't depart. That's part of the meaning of offense. One, one aspect of it is separating yourself. It's being, it's, 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 it's leaving. Walking away when you shouldn't walk away from something. And so Jesus said that, that the man is not offended, that doesn't walk away, that doesn't distrust, he's going to end up being blessed. That's why we have to stay with him. Stay with the word. See, the truth of God's word doesn't always look like it's going to come to pass. It doesn't look like it's working sometimes. Amen. Especially when you're under pressure. (laughs) But if you begin to back away from the truth, that means you've gotten offended. No, you may not fully understand it, but you need to stay with it. You need to stay with it. You don't need, the word offense also means to stumble. You know, Jesus in his, in the word became a stumbling block for some. It became a stumbling block for the, Jesus was a stumbling block for to many of the Jews. Cause they didn't, they didn't know this guy can't be the one. He, he can't be the Messiah. In fact, in his own hometown, remember that in Mark, uh, Mark chapter six, let's read that and begin verse one. Look at Mark six, put that up if you would. Jesus going back to his own hometown, preaching the word, preaching the word of God. He went from there, came to his own country. And disciples followed him, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Verse 3, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were what? Offended at him. They were offended at him. They looked at him after the natural. They looked at him. Uh, they thought this, this could not be. This can't be the one. Verse 4, Jesus said to him, A prophet's not without honor, but his own country is among his own kin and in his own house. He could there. Notice he didn't say he wouldn't. He said he couldn't. You know you can limit God. You know getting offended limits God. Bible says Israel limited the Holy One of Israel in the Psalms. They limited him in the wilderness through their unbelief. We can limit God in many areas of our life. And one way we limit him, one way we do limit him is through offense. They got offended, which led to unbelief. Because he says here, he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Now look at the next verse. He marveled because of their unbelief. See, offense opens the door to doubt. It's a, it's a cousin to doubt. It's right there with it. You, you get offended, you immediately go into unbelief. You can't have faith and be an offense at the same time. That's why Jesus went about, what did he do about it? He went around teaching. 
He, he said, I've got to keep, I've got to keep teaching the word of God. Some, somebody will get it. <laughs> teaching is how we overcome many weaknesses and inabilities and shortcomings. Praise the Lord. Remember the parable of the sower. Jesus said, you know, he's talking about the different kinds of ground in Mark chapter four and uh, verse 16, he begins to talk about the stony ground. He said, and these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground who, when they've heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, they hear the word, they hear truth and they receive it with gladness. And next verse though tells us, but they have no root in themselves. It's not, it had not gotten established in them yet. They've not let it get down into their heart real good yet. And so they endure for a time afterward when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're what? They're offended. People get offended with the truth. See, I've heard people, I've heard people say this. I tried that faith stuff. I've heard people say that. Oh, I tried that. No, it tried you. And you flunked the test. That's, you know, you fail that test. Does that mean you quit just because you failed the test? No, you get up. The word can never fail you. God cannot fail you. His word is forever the same settled in heaven. It's true. Glory be to God. Now you can get offended with it. Yes, but you can, but, but if you don't understand it or if you, Maybe you've, you've, you, you went for a season and you got discouraged, which is kind of what's happening here. The, the, the circumstance, the persecution, the, the test caused somebody to turn away, separate from the word, fall away, depart from the word. Even though we face tests, that's not the time to run from the word. It's the time to just believe more and shout louder. It's the time to stay with it. It's the time to having done all to stand. What do you do? You keep standing. That's what you do with truth. You don't discard it. You don't get separated from it. Because it's truth that sets you free. You leave the truth, you're in trouble. When we leave the truth, we're in trouble. Glory to God. Because there are going to be times it doesn't look like the words coming to pass in our life. That's not the time to get offended. It's not the time to leave the truth. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, in fact, Jesus, when he was betrayed, you know, at the, right at the end, before his death, before he went to the cross, he had told the disciples, and look at this in Mark 14, 27. Mark 14, 27. He said, this night, all of you are going to be offended because of me this night. All of you. Because the sheep, and notice the sheep, he said, I'll smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Remember, separation is a result of offense. And that's what happened. They scattered. But in Peter, of course, he said, no, Lord, even though everybody else will leave you, I won't. Jesus turns and said, you'll deny me three times real soon. <laughs> Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that's exactly what he did. Now, aren't you glad for restoration, even if you've been offended? Even if, you can got, even if you've got separated from the truth, you can get back into the truth. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give up on Peter? He didn't give up on those 12? He hadn't given up on you and me either. Thank God. Thank God for that. Amen? See, they couldn't hear what happened. 
They thought Jesus had come. The Messiah is here. He's going to set up his kingdom. Man, we're going to go into a ruling and reigning with him. They didn't know there's going to be a church age. They didn't know. They, did, they, they didn't really understand when Jesus told them he's going to have to die and go and, and be three days in the belly of the earth. He, he told them that. But it didn't, it didn't register on them. Then when it happened right before them, you know, they scattered. They ran because they didn't understand it. Now, us looking back at the cross now, we say, hey, guys, all you had to do is wait till Sunday. Sunday's coming. <laughs> but that's us looking after the cross, right? After the resurrection. But they didn't see it right then. See, there are going to be things you don't see at the moment. You just don't see it. You don't understand it all. That's not the time to give up on the word. That's not the time to get offended with the word. Never let the love, when you know the love of God towards you, you won't get offended with the truth. So love never allows offense to get in and dictate the situation. So no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, stay in the love of God. So that's one area of offense I wanted to deal with this morning because there's, there's different facets of offense in, really in the New Testament. Let, but let's take a moment now look at the second aspect. And that's uh, in order to defeat the spirit of offense in our lives. And that, and that has to do with when, some, when people wrong you or, or do things to heart to maybe try to hurt you or, or speak evil of you and different things. Uh, and, and you having to forgive them, not taking offense to that. Not letting offense get lodged in your heart. So let's look, I want to look at these verses here. These are so powerful just to start out with concerning the love of God. Matthew chapter 5. Because this is something Jesus said. This, he's talking about how the love of God acts. Now, now, now the disciples at that time could not put these verses into practice because they didn't have the love of God in them yet. Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead yet. But this, these truths are, are things that uh, have to do with how the love of God operates. And there's something that we're to be walking in now. As, as believers he said, you've heard it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Read on there. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. That despitefully use means to slander out of spite. When someone Despitefully uses slanders you out of spite when they uh, when they try to harm you when they persecute you uh, when they curse you speak evil of you. What does the Bible tell us to do? What did Jesus? What did love Himself tell us to do? Love our enemies. See if you can love your enemies, you can get everybody else in between. Everybody else on the spectrum. <laughs> That, that includes the ornery folks at work. It includes the you know, ornery family members, whatever. Praise the Lord. Your enemies. But it, you could, you, in one sense, we can describe an enemy. Any, anybody that's against you. Anybody that's coming against you. He goes on to say, let's don't stop there. That you may be children of your father, which is in heaven. This, this is what God acts like. This is what he expects his kids to act like. He makes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. See, God's good to every, He's good even to those that are evil toward him. Isn't it amazing how God allows evil people to live a long time sometime in this earth? Sometimes you look at the evil. I've looked at, I've, 
you know, evil dictators, evil, you know, rulers of nations, communist nations, people that have murdered millions and millions of people. They live into their 80s. I'm like, Lord, I would have killed them right off the bat, you know? God's so amazingly, remarkably merciful. We see that even in the Old Testament. He gave men space to repent. He gave leaders that were evil space to repent. Some of them did. Not most of them, but a few did. Next verse. verse. Let's read on here. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you but not Don't even the tax collectors do the same thing? You can find anybody in the world. You can, you can find cheaters in the world. See, the tax collectors then were the, they were the worst people on, you know, around. They were cheating everybody, you know. And, and so that's, they, he used him, them as an example because he knew all of them could relate because everybody hated the tax collector. He said, don't, don't, the tax collectors, they're, they, they're kind to people that are kind to them. Wow. That's no big achievement. But if you love those that don't love you, and their enemies, that's acting like your father. Let's read on here. Next couple of verses here. If you salute your brethren only and do, do more than, what do you do more than others? Or do not even the publicans so, the tax collectors again? Verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect. This is actually not, doesn't mean you're absolutely perfect. This means mature. Uh, it means developed. Even as your father in heaven is developed or mature. So we can act like our heavenly father. We can grow up. We can mature in the love of God. And really, he talked a lot about love in these next few chapters, even of the chapters five, six, and seven uh, of this, you know, the Sermon on the Mount here. But uh, I, it kind of summarizes really in chapter seven, verse 12. Put up Matthew seven, verse 12. So therefore, all things whatsoever you would, would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Actually, this is what a Jewish person would tell someone who had not grown up Jewish, but they wanted to become a Jew. This is what they would tell them so that they wouldn't have to try to learn all the law like the kids did that had to when they were growing up. He said, if you'll just, if you'll just treat others like you want to be treated. He said, you've kind of summed up the law, all the law and all the prophets. And really, you know, we call this what the golden rule, don't we? Well, that's a demonstration. It's, it's a principle of the love of God. It's, an, it's one expression of the love of God. Amen. Uh, in other words, do you want people to use you, mistreat you, cheat you, talk bad about you? Then if you don't, then you don't do it to them. That's why he's saying that's how the love of God operates. Amen. That's why we have to ask, ask ourselves at times. And what I'm about to do, is it going to harm them somehow? And would I want that done to me? Proverbs, I'm sorry, Romans 13.10. Romans 13.10. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. That's almost like a parallel to what Jesus, what, what was told there in Matthew 7. But see, this is how the love of God is demonstrated. That's how, it's one of the ways it operates Love doesn't take offense, <laughs> and it strives not to give offense. So we're talking about taking offense here for just a, for just a few moments, because Satan wants you taking offense. And really, the word offense in the Greek scandalon is the word is talking about the a, a stick, 
uh, on the bait to set a trap. So it's talking about the trap of offense here. The ba- don't take the bait of offense. When you get offended, you you have taken the bait that the devil is bringing into your life, which will open the door to things you do really don't want in your life. That's why this is so important. That's why this is an important last day's message because of the climate that we're, that's around us all the time right now. The church, the believers, cannot afford to take that bait of offense. It's just like the mouse trap. You got the cheese. The mouse smells it. You know, the flesh smells offense and the flesh likes it. Because the flesh likes to return evil for evil. It likes to say something bad about somebody says something bad about you. The flesh enjoys that. But it's, if you smell that cheese and then bite into that cheese, you've taken the bait. And there are negative repercussions to that. Because the devil then can open, it'll open the door to strife. It'll open the door to even bitterness in your life. And the Bible talks about there's a root of bitterness that will spring up and defile you ultimately. Keep you from enjoying all of God's best in your life. There are various effects of offense. We're not going to take the time to look at them in depth here. But again, we talked about earlier, offense separates you from, from God. It separates you from vital people in your life. It'll separate you from those that God has joined you to. It'll separate you from the anointing that you need in your life. Secondly, it kills your faith. You can't be offended and be in faith at the same time. Mark eleven twenty four. what things whoever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. But we don't, Jesus didn't stop there. He kept going into verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive. He's talking about prayer still, but he said you better forgive while you're standing there praying. Because if you're going to believe you receive something, you're going, you're going to receive something from God, you better have your heart right concerning others. Do you realize that your vertical affects your horizontal? Absolutely. Directly connected. If things aren't right on this level, it's not going to get right on this, it's not going to be right on this level. Notice receiving from God is affected by how you treat other people and whether you have unforgiveness or offense in your heart. It shuts the door to faith when you open the door to offense. It'll cause, it'll cause you to get ill spiritually and even physically. Psalm 106 verse 32. Talking about Moses. Notice this about Moses. Moses got so upset at those goofy Israelites that had been griping and complaining and it just angered him. He got angry. He got offended. It, it angered him at the waters of strife so that it went what? Ill for Moses because of them. It went ill with him. He got spiritually ill. It kept him out of the promised land. Amen. Next verse. You got the next verse up there? Because they provoked his spirit and he spoke unadvisedly with his lips. He got into offense. He took, he, he let them, he let their, you know, provoking get on the inside of him. So you're going to be tempted to let other people's 
provoking of different way, in different ways, whether it's with words or actions, you can let that just consume you. You know, even in First Corinthians 11, the great, you know, the chapter that talks a lot about the Lord's Supper and communion. There's a admonition in there by the Apostle Paul that, that says, because you, he's talking to the church at Corinth, those, those that did not receive communion properly with the right attitude, did not properly discern the body. That means you didn't walk in love with everybody. He said, because of that, many of you are weak and sick, and some even died prematurely. It affected them. So it'll affect you spiritually, it'll affect you physically. That's why, again, this is crucial. We need to, we, ha- we all need to, before we leave this house this morning, we need to make a determination if you haven't done it before. See, I've done this. I've said, I am determined, no matter what else in life, I'm going to major on walking in love and forgiveness. I learned that from Brother Hagin. I learned it watching his life. I learned it from his teaching. I just, it just got into me. I'm going to, I'm not letting anything separate me from the anointing in this area of my love walk. Doesn't mean I've been perfect with it, but I have made that conviction. I've made that determination. I've done, I've had to repent a few times for saying things or, you know, in some situations, usually about other preachers. That made me mad because they provoked my spirit. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. But they're human too. And even if they acted like my enemy, I'm supposed to love them and forgive them for my sake as much as anything. I've got to stay in the right place. I've got to stay in a protected place. I've got to stay in a safe place spiritually. I got to guard my heart so that my blessings aren't cut off when, when was Job's captivity turned when he prayed for the three so-called friends he had that had provoked his spirit <laughs> they provoked him but he had to pray for him before he got the double portion hallelujah of course we have a wonderful few verses of scripture that you need to every one of us needs to be mindful of on a regular basis and go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Any different versions, you can look at it, meditate on it, if you're, especially if you're having trouble uh, with somebody provoking you. <laughs> these, are, these are important to meditate on. In verse 5, I want to look at verse 5 because uh, you know, this passage is the opposite of offense. And you could even call it an antidote for offense if you meditate on these enough and, and feed on this and exercise this. He says in the King James, don't behave your love. The love of God that's in you and me does not be- behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. That's offense right there. Offense just means you, you're easily provoked. That's the world we live in right now. Easily provoked. Easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Now look at the Amplified. Look at this. Look in the Amplified. Is not conceited. Is not arrogant. Flated with pride. Is not rude. Unmannerly. Does not act unbecomingly. Now notice this part. Love. God's love in us. This is not a foreign love. This is a love that's been put in you when you were born again. This is not something you have to pray pray for a couple of years to try to hope, hope it drops down on the inside of you. No. It's there. Has to be fed, has to be developed, but it's there. It does not insist on its own rights 
or its own way, for it's not self-seeking, it's not touchy. That's offended. Touchy. Everybody they so touchy. Ought not be so for us. Doesn't matter what other people do. I, you know, I'm not talking about the world here. I'm talking about the believer. We can't afford to be touchy. Our flesh can get, we get touchy. We need, that's why we need to walk by the Spirit, stay strong on the inside in the Word of God. Or resentful. It takes no account, no account, no account. Oh, pastor, that's impossible. No, it's not. Doesn't mean you can't remember something somebody did to you, but, but doesn't mean you, it doesn't, it means you don't mark it up to their account. Oh, that's one on them. I remember that. It means you don't take it into your heart as an opportunity for revenge. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. Look at, let's look at the Passion Translation real quick. This is just, this is just a powerful verse. One, this one verse right here, you can meditate on for a couple of months. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. It's not easily irritated or quick to take offense. It just, it's just not quick to take offense. Well, they did me wrong. That's, I, I, I'm not going to let that get in me. That's all right. I'm not going to, doesn't bother me. I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not saying this is easy. I mean, it's not easy on the flesh. It's not. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. That's part of the Christian life. Crucifying our flesh so that we can walk in the spirit. So that we can please God and stay in the place of blessing. Favor, promotion, and increase, and health. All those are worth it. It's worth it. Not to harbor anything against anybody. Jesus said you don't need to have aught against any. Not not aught against many. Aught against any. Well, I love most people, but no, how about all people? No odds against any. First Peter 4, 8. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. I got to get to my last one here in a moment. I got a couple more thoughts on point two here about offense. Because we're not supposed to take offense. Above all things, have fervent charity. That's a, a word. For, that's agape. It's divine love among yourselves. For love will cover the multitude of sins. See, love doesn't sit around. The love of God says, I, that's. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from that. I, that's all right. I'm not going. I'm not going to dwell on what they did to me or said about me. I'm going to cover it. I'm not even going to go talk about it with somebody. Above all things, have fervent. See, it's going to have to be fervent. It's not just going to be a little little dabble do you love here, Brill cream love. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about right here, Brill cream. I'm dating myself and many of you, some of you guys in here. Brill cream, a little dabble, do ya? Anybody remember that commercial about 80 years ago? No, I mean, no, about 30, 40, whatever. It's not little dabble, do ya? Not brill cream love here. It's got to be fervent. Let's look in the Amplified. Look in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. Now, this is primarily true in the body, okay? Now, we need to love those in the world, too. But this is it's really more so in the body because those are the ones you rub 
you, you have more contact with. You have more friction naturally with at times, you know. And we can't expect certain things from the world, but we expect a little more from a, from a believer. But love still, it needs to be intense and unfailing towards one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Forgives, notice this, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Disregards the offenses of others. Proverbs ten twelve says love covers. It covers offenses. Amen. It covers all sins, which is, includes offenses. Love seeks the best for others. But then we have, now I'm going to get to number three here, the other side. There's the other side of the coin on this. We don't want to be taking offense. But then thirdly, when it comes to offense, we've talked about we don't need to be offended at the truth, at, at the word of God. Uh, we don't need to, and we don't need to be taking offense into our lives when someone else does this wrong. Sometimes even it's a perceived wrong. I didn't get into that. I didn't take time to get into that. Sometimes people get offended at something they think somebody thinks about them or says about them. Then some people get offended because so-and-so got offended because they said somebody did or said something about them. So now you've taken on their offense and you've cut yourself off from blessing because somebody else said so-and-so said something about them. And you're willing to cut off your blessings on hearsay. Even if it was true, you're still not supposed to cut off your blessing. So don't take offense. But now I'm going to talk about we also don't need to be the ones giving offense. That's an aspect of offense too. Hallelujah. We don't need to be doing anybody else dirty or wrong. Again, Luke six thirty one. This different way. This is Luke's version of the golden rule here. And just as you want men to do to you, quoting Jesus, you also do to them likewise. Just like you want men doing to you, you do to them likewise. Uh, obviously, you don't want to cheat other people. You don't want them cheating you, right? Uh, you don't want to be abused. You don't, you don't want to be mistreated. So you don't do the mistreating. Or the abusing. That's, now that's, you know, sometimes you can say that, but that's why we have to tap into the love of God so that we can truly demonstrate it and act on it. Cause you really can't be a doer of the word without God's life and love in you helping you to do it. Praise the Lord. So let me just in kind of to wrap this up this morning. I want to look at four, four areas, four principles that will help you and help you not take offense and not give offense. These are just four, you can say four areas of the love of God, four areas of your love walk. And these are just four that just came, you know, these are the ones in my heart. There's some others I'm sure you could throw in here. But these are just four areas, four principles that we all need to strengthen in this day and hour to be able to better defeat the spirit of offense that tries to come into our lives. So number one, in order not to take offense or to give offense, these apply really with both. Number one, be secure in who you are in Christ. Make sure your security is in who you are in Christ. So many people, even Christians, act like they're unloved, unwanted, rejected. Somebody's out to get me. Too many Christians act that way. Portray that kind of attitude. Christians ought to be the most secure people.
people on the planet. Not insecure, but secure. Because listen, your insecurity will cause you to have irrational thoughts and actions. Ultimately. It's like the story of the, you know, you got a couple of football stadiums in our state that are seat, you know, 90 to 100,000 people, you know. And uh, you can have somebody sitting up in that stadium with, a, with you know, 100,000 people and, and, uh, and they're looking down on, on the football field and, and uh, one of the team, you know, the, the offensive team goes into the huddle and they're huddling around down there. And, uh, and too many people are like, uh, like the individual that said, look at them. They're, they, they're down there. They're, they huddle up. They're down there talking about me. Hundred thousand people in the stadium, and, and, and eleven guys huddle up. Oh, they're talking about me. That's kind of a goofy illustration, but yet some people—they're yeah, so insecure. They think the worst. I know. A, I know a pastor that uh, had uh, a lady in his church came up. Came to the back, he was in the back of the church, and she came up to him crying after. You know, people had been visiting for a little bit after service. This is several years back. And, and, uh, and, and she was crying and said, Pastor. And he, she pointed to a little group of about four ladies down near the front. Said, they've been, they've been making, they've been talking about me bad. And he said, when? In recent months or what? I mean, what, what are you talking about? He said, no, right now they're down there talking about me. And so he, he said, well, well, just, just wait a moment. So he went, he just kind of wandered down that way and just got near the, group of ladies, he said, he listened to a little bit of what they were talking about. said they were totally on a totally different, had nothing to do with that woman. So really the one who was in sin was that woman making a false accusation. And so that's why, again, we, we've got, we need to be so secure in who we are in Christ. You know, Romans 8.35 says, you know, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. No tribulation, distress persecution, even if it's true that somebody's talking about you, can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Oh, but they're talking about me. So what? Welcome to the planet. Welcome to the Christian life. In fact, if they're not talking, if somebody ain't talking about you, you probably ain't doing much for Jesus. If somebody isn't, we, we're supposed to bless, help people, bless people, but somebody's not going to like it. Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 6, see, there's, I could go on and on with wonderful New Testament realities. We are accepted. He made us accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted, I'm not rejected. But why am I so concerned and upset about what somebody in the world is saying or thinking about me? That's a good question. Why? It's because you're insecure. Oh, but they don't value me or they don't see me as very, as worth anything or they don't see me this way or that. Doesn't matter. Who does? If he does, the world be doggone. I don't care what anybody in the world thinks about me. I really don't. 
Now you have you got to grow into that place and grow in the love, grow in your security. But we need to be the most secure people on the planet. They don't like me. Who cares? Jesus loves me with an everlasting love. And it's his love that's going to make the difference in my eternity, not yours. Not whether the world likes me. Oh, my goodness, the world. Number two, let me move on here. The second principle here, determine to treat now, this is the way you ne- will never give a, this is the way you'll never give offense. Determine to treat everyone with dignity and respect. You just need to determine that. I don't care who they are. I don't care what their status is in life. I don't care if they're rich, poor. I don't care if they're, you know, uh, popular or unpopular. I don't, I don't care what their status symbol is. I don't care what their color is. I don't care what their, you know, what their job you know, category is, it doesn't matter. This is the love of God here in Demonstration. This is a principle that I believe the Lord wants us to, to emphasize so that we can keep offense out of our life. You got to determine this. That you're not going to show favoritism. You're not going to show favoritism due to whether they're young, old, rich, poor, black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter. Romans 12. Let's look in the Amplified, verses 9 through 11 here. Romans 12. We need to see, we don't need to be showing the wrong kind of, un, you know, respect to people. You know, in, in other words, in different levels. We need to uh, love everybody. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what's evil. Loathe ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. Hold fast to that which is good. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection as members, notice this, members of one family. Now notice you give precedence and show honor to one another. That means everybody ought to treat others with greater value even than they do themselves. This is the love of God in in a mature level right here, okay? I realize not everybody's there and and we don't have to expect everybody to be there. But this is where we ought to all be moving if we're walking with the Lord. But we're willing to honor somebody else rather than ourselves. Verse 11. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. So that's, this is how you do it. You got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. If you're going, if you're going to treat people right, you got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. If you're going to treat them all as one family, you got to stay full of the spirit. Notice what uh, Paul says in. I mean, you know, like I said, we're all one, we're all in one family. You, you do realize I heard a, a pastor friend say this. He said, you, he said, the Lord told me, he said, the Lord told me, he said, you know, I'm not an American, don't you? He said, I'm also not a Republican or a Democrat. Now, again, I'm not going to get, I'm not getting, I'm not, I, I don't preach politics, but I preach the word. In fact, I preach, I preach moral truth because I have an obligation to do that. And if it happens to cut against your political truth, tough luck. Don't get offended. Get over it. Go with the truth. Go with the truth. But also we need to realize God is not, God is not this big political guru in the sky. And he's not just on one. He's not American. He is, he, he, he loves people in every country. He loves everybody the same. See, I've seen preachers actually mistreat 
preachers from other countries because they weren't American. No, we need to be treating everybody as one big, as one, as we're all in the family of God. Come out the church now. The church. We need to love each other. That's why we have to stay full of the Spirit to do that. Because you may have certain fleshly tendencies. Some people have tendencies from their parents and grandparents. And, and, and they, have, they have biases. They have prejudices. They have things that get passed down. And it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit for you to learn to walk free from that. I'm talking about from all directions here. I've seen, I've seen that from every direction. Don't just point to somebody else. Look at yourself and your family. <laughs> so we need to stay full of the Spirit. That's what we're called to do. So that we can love one another with a fervent love as one family. Family of God. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21. 1 Timothy 5, 21. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. You observe these things without prejudice. Doing nothing. With partiality. That's the love of God. This is, see, this is a demonstration of the love of God. It's one facet of the love of God in action. No partiality. <laughs> Amen. And that takes, again, walking by the Spirit and walking in the Word. Paul also said in Galatians 3.28, There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one. In Christ Jesus. Glory to God. See, this is how we need to see the body. We're one in Christ. Everybody has value. Everybody has dignity. Everybody should be respected for being in the body. James chapter 2 verse 1. As well, see, this is all through the New Testament. Pay no servile uh, regard to people. Show no prejudice, no partiality. No prejudice, no partiality. Amen. Do not attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. I like that. You can't, you can't practice strong faith in Jesus and be a snob. In fact, James had to deal with that. He said, you've been giving the best seats to the rich and you've been treating the poor, you know, with disrespect. So he had to address that. At that moment, in that letter, amen, hallelujah, praise God. So don't mistreat people. See, if you, if you show partiality, you're opening the door now to mistreating somebody and, getting, and giving offense. See, we're talking about not giving offense too. Not only not taking it, but not giving it. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, this, this sin of not respecting, of not properly respecting everyone and, and valuing everyone and having dignity, seeing dignity in every human being equally, even when somebody's mis, mis, you, you know, has mistreated you, you still need to see them with dignity. You know, even when it comes to, now, now listen to me again, I have to preach the word. And there are times I may be, I may deal with certain sins that the world gets upset about. And even some in the church. If you start talking about the LGTBQRSTUV, 
I mean, listen, I have an obligation to, to, but I also have an obligation to not just talk about homosexuality as sin or, 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 or but also adultery, other things I may have to, at times I may have to address those things and include them in the package of sin. Now somebody's going to get offended. But they're getting offended with the truth. And I'm not going to apologize for the truth, but I'll preach the truth in love. Why? Even though they're an LGBTQ whatever, I still value that person. And, and they have dignity as a human being. That's just as a human being. That we need to value to the point we're willing to love them with the gospel and the truth. That's why I won't hesitate to preach the truth because I don't want somebody going to hell just because somebody didn't tell them what they're doing is wrong and point them to the answer. It's not enough to tell them what's wrong. We need to point them to Jesus, who's the answer for everybody. He's the answer for everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if it's sin, it's sin. The word doesn't change. But we still treat people with respect. Number three. Boy, I've got real quick here. I'm going to wrap these last two up in the next hour and a half. Praise the Lord. Number three. Be thankful for your company. Thankful. Listen, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Oh, it's, it's, it's a powerful force against offense. Being thankful for others. Thankful to the point. See, Paul said in Ephesians 1, 16, pray, he's talking about the church at Ephesus, and that, that includes us praying for our church, praying for others in our church. Ephesians 1, 16, not 6. Ephesians 1, 16, talking about the prayer. He said, where I, I, I pray for, he's talking about praying for the church at Ephesus. He said, I give thanks for you. I give thanks for you. This is Ephesians 1, 16. I cease not to give thanks for you. Listen, if you're thankful for someone, when you're praying for them, and you're thankful for your body, you're thankful for your company, you're thankful for the divine connections God brings into your life. When you're thankful for those people, even though they're not perfect and they've messed up and they've said and done some things that are not, you know, that may have not blessed you, but if you're thankful for them, and you mention them in prayer, thank you, Father, for my, you need to be thankful for your family. I'm telling you, this will help you. This will help you. Be thankful. Regard that person with thanksgiving. They are God's temple. Yeah, they're flawed in their, in their flesh. And they may have said and done some things that did not bless your life. Be thankful for them. That will help you. That will help you to not give offense. It'll help you not take offense. And it'll help you to not give offense. Listen, you still have a family, your church. And, I, and I've talked about this before in different ways. Just how important the local church is and, and know where God puts you. And then and you've got to be willing to stay there at times when everything isn't just always hunky-dory. Now, there are sometimes people have to leave churches. I understand that. But there are some situations just because somebody didn't smile at you. Or didn't give you that phone call, or didn't do this, or didn't do that, didn't, and, and maybe they even mistreated you in some manner. Maybe they weren't even aware of it. 
If you'll learn to thank God for that God-filled person. God lives in them. And God puts you in their family. Local churches are to be supernatural churches. Where God places you in the body. And when he places you there then, you need to be thankful for those around you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We need to love and value our company, our church family. Ephesians 4, 16 says we're fitly joined together. That means you're joined where you fit. From God's perspective. He joins you where you're fit to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to me. The earth is full of people who don't care one iota about you. Even though they may get on TV and in media and whatever, and and they're the ones people point to and say, oh, they care. No, they don't. Not one ounce about you. But you may, but you, but yet you may have, the thing is you don't have a conflict with them because you never see them anyway and they never see you. If they saw you walking down the street, they'd just soon, they'd just soon kick a bug as to look at you. I'm talking about the world here. That's reality. But you have a house, a company of God filled people. Maybe God's being demonstrated and manifested in different levels in everybody. And that's true. We're all growing. But you still have a company of people that even though you might have have had a little rub at one point, you still need to fall on your knees and be thankful for that person. Thanking God in prayer for that person. That they're part of your valued and precious body. And family. I'm talking about, this is how we can keep offense out of this church. I can't control what happens in everybody else's church. And I can't really fully control what happens in you. But I can give you enough ammunition to do something about it for your own life. Because again, you don't want to separate yourself from the anointing. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yokes and removes the burdens. But offense will bring separation. Be grateful for those around you in your local body. See, sometimes you just have to overlook certain things and keep going. I'm just, do you do that in marriage? Those of you that have been married more than 15 minutes? If you're going, if you're going to sustain in a marriage, there are some things that may have bothered you the first few days and weeks and did a little crying about. But after about 30 years, you just go, eh, just keep moving. Just forgive it and go on. Why? Because that's more mature marriage. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit before we close here. Y'all looked a little heavy on some of you look a little heavy. Let me say this. So, because we talked about joy earlier in the service. Joy is directly connected to being a doer of the word. Sometimes you may have to receive a little bit of instruction in the service so you can walk, so you can go out with joy. You know, Isaiah said, we go out with joy. Well, you can take that, you go out of church with joy because you 
made some corrections during the service. <laughs> made some adjustments, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Well, they looked at me wrong, Pastor. Well, the world would do a whole lot worse to you. They'd kick you and spit you out. They don't care about you. But you've got a church that loves you. You've got a pastor and staff that's given their life, laid down their life for you. I didn't mean I, that mean I went to a cross and died, but it means that's what laying down your life in, in, in first John talks about laying down your life means you're willing to do, you're willing to do this above anything else. Give your life so that other people can receive something from God. <clears throat> number four, real quick, let me wrap this up. Always, this is number four, always consider how your actions will affect, will ultimately affect others. Notice you got to consider the end game. Is what I'm doing now going to ultimately affect them in a good way or a negative way? How will it affect them? Because if we don't think about the end game here, how it's ultimately going to affect somebody else. You see, it's not about just, I have rights. I can do this if I want to. Remember, Paul said, I won't eat meat if it causes somebody else to stumble. The apostle Paul said that. He said, I'm free to eat meat that's been offered to idols. He said, but I won't eat it if it causes a brother, a weaker brother to stumble. And we haven't all been perfect in that either. We all, but we all need to learn. How, how, what am I doing? How's it affecting somebody else? See, this is how you won't give offense to somebody if you're mindful of the end game, the end result here. How's it going to affect somebody else's life? Even if I claim, even if I say, I have a right to do this. You know, some people may have a right to put broken down cars in their front yard. But that affects the neighborhood. Somebody that has any self-respect. Wouldn't want to defile the neighborhood. Just a natural example there. But there's a spiritual aspect to that. Spiritually, we don't want to, we don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else. You're not, you're not just in this thing for you. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter two, verse four. Notice this is, see, this is New Testament love and demonstration. And I could give you numerous scriptures. Let's just, let's just look at this one. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also. On the things of others. How's this going to affect somebody? How, what, how can my life affect somebody else in a positive way? That's the love of God. That's the love of God. Not just about me. Not about just me getting mine. In fact, when we, and we, when we learn to use our faith and develop our faith, a good, a good thing to do is start learning to use your faith for someone else too. Get, get in faith with someone else. Get in agreement with someone else. Get, get involved in somebody else's life where you can use their, your faith for them as well. Aren't you glad the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. So we need to do what? We need to walk in this love. We need to walk in the Spirit. Uh, one, one wonderful scripture here, Psalm 119, 165. Here's one way to stay offense-free in your life is just learn, is just absolutely love the Word of God. Great peace have they which love your Word. Nothing shall offend them. We need to be living the kind of life where nothing offends me. I'm not offended by the truth. I'm not offended by what a preacher says. I'm not offended by what somebody else says and does toward me. And I'm, and I'm not going to be a person that gives offense to somebody else. Because I love the word too much. You learn to love the word of God. Let the word of God be your light, be your guide, be your direction. You ask yourself, what, what does the word of God say about this action? What does the word of God say about what I'm thinking right now? And if you'll love the word of God and give it first place in your life, it'll keep you offense free. 
Nothing shall offend you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you can, you can defeat the spirit of offense in your life? You can walk in divine love. Thank you, Father. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your great love that was demonstrated to us through Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood for us so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the broken body. We thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. So, Father, we we thank you right now. We receive forgiveness. We receive healing. And, Father, if there's anyone that has never made Jesus their personal Lord and Savior, they may have stumbled over many things that have been said in their life, and, and they've had a lot of questions, things that have caused them to separate. They've been offended at the truth. Father, we know that can be turned around right now because your love is being is shining on their heart right now, Father. We thank you that you're revealing yourself to someone that may be listening in, in person or online. And so we thank you for each and every individual, Father, that needs Jesus, that they receive him right now. If that's you, just pray this quick prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I believe that he died and he rose from the dead just for me. I thank you that now I'm a child of God because I believe Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. See, if you did that from the heart, it doesn't have to be a complicated prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It's just saying, Lord, I need you. I need Jesus in my life. I need that forgiveness. I need a new life in him. So if you prayed that prayer, we want you to let us know about it. Let someone know about it and then let our church know about it.